Thursday, February 16th on the Just Baseball Show, and it's a beautiful day for one reason and one reason only. It's just me today. No Jack, no Aram. You have an hour of me talking about my bets. Just kidding. Hopefully you didn't turn off the podcast because this is the 2023 College Baseball Preview with my guy, Peter Flaherty draft analyst, college baseball analyst for Baseball America, and is my secret source for all of my college baseball betting picks. He just tells me what he likes, and then I do the betting. Peter, I'm so excited. We're going to spend the next hour. We could spend about three hours talking about college baseball, but we're going to try and be concise. We have our top 10 teams top 10 players, as well as some sleeper players and sleeper teams that could make a run to Omaha. How are you doing? Opening day is on Friday. It's a great time to talk some college baseball, right? I was going to say, first, thanks for having me on. I'm super fired up. And also, the one thing you left out of my title, I was a former uh, former JB and honorary, I guess, now JB uh, team member. So, wouldn't be where I am without the Just Baseball crew, but I'm so amped to talk about college baseball with you. Just like every year, there's you know a ton of great teams, a lot of great players, and you know I could go on and on about it, but I'm excited to dive into it with you. I don't like calling you honorary. I don't like calling you former. I like calling you secret weapon. Secret oh, wait, weapon. I love it. I'm down. Awesome. Let's get straight into it, not waste anybody's time because we have so much to go over. We're going to go top 10 teams, top 10 players a sleeper player that you should be on the watch for as well as a sleeper team that could make a run for the college world series in Omaha. So we'll go 10 to one and let's start with Vandy and Vanderbilt is always that team that's in the mix, right? The Jack lighters, the Kumar rockers. It seems that every player you look up on baseball reference, most of them have been to Vanderbilt. Most notably Dansby Swanson was the number one overall pick. And we often see them take the they have the best players they have one of the best coaches in the country they're just a really well-rounded team but they have a lower rank this year than I think in previous years sometimes they're the number one team sometimes they're within the top five but from my knowledge of looking at past years because I'm a college baseball guy I almost like to call myself an analyst even though you know I've been writing on just baseball.com but you're the college baseball expert why is Vanderbilt maybe 10 when in previous years they might be one or two? I don't think it's a an indictment on Vanderbilt so much as just it is an endorsement of the talent ahead of them. You look at teams in some outlets like Wake Forest, Florida, Stanford, Tennessee, LSU, and I mean, those are stacked teams. And that's not to say Vanderbilt isn't a great club in their own right. I don't think there's ever been or ever will be a bad Coach Corbin-led team. Um, I think it's just a testament to how deep college baseball is as a whole. I remember uh, last year when we were um, at the College World Series, Vandy was just such a fun team to watch, and they still have a loaded roster. Like, who are some of the best players that we got to watch out for? 
I think it starts with, and not to jump into our next segment of top 10 players, I think it starts with Enrique Bradfield um, in center field. We'll talk about him more in depth when we go through the top 10, but it's like game-breaking 80-grade speed. He sets the standard for 80-grade speed, um, like for all the people at home listening when they're like, well, there's a 2080 scale. What's the 80-grade? All I hear is 60s and 70s. No one ever throws out an 80 because it's so rare. And Enrique Bradfield is one of the few guys that has an 80-grade tool um, and he's not just a speedster. He's got great baseball IQ, which enhances, I think, his base stealing ability. Um, I'm going on about him already, but he's a great defender, great hand eye. Starts with him on the dirt. One guy that I think is going to break out this year is Jonathan Vastine. He's a shortstop. Left-handed hitter, had a great summer in the Northwoods, was an all-star. Um, and their starting rotation is really, really good. It'll be headlined by Carter Holton um, and Andrew Dukanich. Dukanich was a blue-chip freshman. Um, who was a projected first, second round draft pick by a lot of outlets, and he made it to campus. So I think him and Holton, along with Devin Futrell, make for a really good starting rotation. And they've got just a bunch of solid players all around. Um, and also, you know, Patrick Riley will be used in a variety of ways. So I think those are the headliners to watch out for. But in looking up and down this roster, there are a lot of players that have big time upside and could easily propel Vanderbilt just like any other year to a national championship. Parker Nolan, I'm glad to see back at first base. He's a guy I remember who just hits mega tanks, and he's definitely a fun guy to watch. Let's talk about number nine, Oklahoma State. Um, So I just wrote up my top 10 second baseman article, and Rock Reggio was the number one guy at the second base position because there's some guys, you know, Tommy Troy, who second baseman shortstop, he's mostly going to play shortstop probably for Stanford. That's Stanford infield. We're going to talk about them in a, in a bit. There's some other guys, but he's kind of the main second baseman. And I know he's one of the key players because Oklahoma state always turns in an incredible product. And that's why they're at number nine again. Yeah. I, again, I love the pokes and I always seem to fall in love with them every, you know, tournament time. I think that coach holiday does a great job. Um, they've always got just a bunch of dudes on their team. Obviously rock Riggio is a great second baseman. Um, but one of my favorite players, maybe my favorite player on the team is their shortstop Marcus Brown. He can really pick it on the left side of the infield. He's a true shortstop. That's where he'll be professionally. Um, super competitive kid loves to win. Really came into his own um, with a full sample size of hitting last year. He actually won the Appy League MVP in 2021. He hit like 410 with just gaudy numbers. And last year with a full season at Oklahoma State, he hit 317. He'll shoot a gap, put a ball over the fence every now and again. But him and Riggio make for one of the best middle infield duos in the country. Um, you know, they're great players. And then obviously getting Nolan McClain back after getting drafted and not signing is huge. Um, he might have the biggest raw power of anyone in the country. Um, and then also on the mound, he's great in the late inning role. Um, and then they've got a really, really good freshman class. And the headliner in there is, is outfielder Nolan Schubert. Um, I know this fall that the staff was just absolutely glowing of him and his ability. Um, and he got some pretty lofty player comps and he kind of looks to be next in line to be a first round pick out of Stillwater. So they're going to be a really good team. They're going to hit. They're always going to hit. The key for them will just be pitching and sustaining uh, consistency in the pitching staff. So I'm fired up about them. Another transfer arm to watch for him is from BYU, actually. Uh, Jansen Kiesel throws from a really low slot. Uncomfortable at bat for, for everybody. He's got kind of a sweeper slider that's flashes plus when it's on. And 
he's a big velo guy up to he's up to 100 this fall so they're a really exciting team um and i i kind of have a few teams circled to always watch them and i know oklahoma state this year will be one of them yeah they're always that kind of team right just loaded with talent i think like you said the only question mark might be the pitching staff but this team could win a lot of 10-8 games right their offense is just incredible I agree. They're like you said, and that's a good point. They're a team that's going to have no problem getting into a shootout with no. with with another team. They they'll they're absolutely down with like a 12-10 kind of game, 13-9 like you were saying. They have no problem going punch for punch. Yeah, they're the team kind of on this list. I mean, all these teams are incredible, but they're one of those teams where you can expect seven runs and it's just about allowing less. And then if they allow seven, they're probably going to score 10. And that's why exactly. you'll see them most likely be in the top 10 uh for the rest of the season. Eight is Arkansas, and Arkansas, I remember last year when we did this podcast, they were one of our favorite teams, and they kind of let us down a little bit um, in the playoffs, too, in the regionals, and they, I'm a little bit, I guess, more down on them, and maybe it's just a sour taste from last year because we were so freaking high on them. They should probably be at eight. Um, Am I missing anything with Arkansas? Well-rounded team. They got a good lineup. They got a good pitching staff. Don't seem like a lot of weaknesses, but at the same time, they don't seem to have the mega star power, maybe like last year or that we're used to a team with with Arkansas. Am I off there? No, I was going to say, I think that people look at this year's Arkansas team and kind of be like, okay, where's the guy or guys that warrant them being so high? But I think what they might lack in a loud household name, they make up for just in sheer talent. Yeah. Similar to Vanderbilt, uh, Coach Van Horn and his staff are unbelievable and get the most out of their guys. And they've also got a bunch of freshmen who didn't play that much last year, who had outstanding summers and falls that they'll come out of to some people, not to the Arkansas staff, but they'll come out of nowhere to some people this year and be like, where did this guy come from? And like, how is he hitting 310 with, with 12 jacks? So that's kind of the team they've got. And they've got two absolutely electric arms on the mound and Hagen Smith and Brady Tiger. Tiger, his breaking ball kind of went viral last year when he first started coming in close games. It's just a, an absolute demon curveball. Spin rate pushing like 3,000 RPMs, a little bit of deception in there. And then their Friday night guy is going to be uh, Hagen Smith, um, the left-hander. He was really good as a freshman, was a freshman All-American. Starter profile, he's a really good guy that you, you're going to have taking the ball on Friday nights. Uh, they are dealt a tough hand this past week with Jackson Wiggins going down to Tommy John because, you know, he's he's an outstanding arm talent, obviously, but if you throw him and then Juco transfer Hunter Holland in there to round out the rotation, that's a, that's a pretty darn good rotation. Um, and they're still going to be a good team. They'll be competitive all year, uh, but obviously, if any team loses someone like Jackson Wiggins, that's gonna that's gonna hurt. Um, but on the position player side, Peyton Soval is a guy that I think is gonna really, really, really announce his presence. He was a super highly touted freshman last year, making it onto campus. Um, similar to Dukanich, he got first and second round grades going into the draft, but decided to, to go to school and he's just a really pure hitter. His numbers were respectable last year, but he's a guy that he could end up hitting 330, 340 with, with 10 plus bombs. And I wouldn't be surprised. Kennel Diggs is another, you look at his stats from last year. They weren't, they're not going to jump off the page at you, but he's another really good baseball player can really hit, can really play the, can really feel the ball. Um, and then they brought in a couple of transfers from the Juco ranks. Hunter Holland was one of them. And then shortstop Harold Call is another. Uh, 
and he is really, really good on the dirt and is going to be the guy to fill the void left by Jalen Battles' departure. And two guys that are kind of under the radar on their roster maybe that that I like are Brady Slavens and Jace Borfin. Borfin had a great freshman year at Oklahoma, had an up-and-down last couple of years, but the talent that he's got is undeniable. Uh, same with Slavin. Slavin started off at a junior college. He hit like 5'10 at his junior college. Um, and he's just going to be a great veteran guy to have around over at first base and anchor the infield. So um, while they might not have that kind of star power, they're going to be a really competitive team all year. Yeah, I had two quick questions for you. You don't need to uh, dive into it a ton because we have so much to cover. But Tiger was one guy who I remember in the bullpen, but he is making the transition to the starting rotation, right? He should be their Saturday guy. I think they're going to still use him out of the bullpen. Okay. Um, I, I think he's going to be their lights out closer. Okay. And then Peyton Stovall was a guy who I left off my second base. He was probably number 11. And that's not really a detriment to Stovall. That's more of a testament to the rest of the list. How many good second basemen there are in a country. Did I make a mistake there? Are you expecting a huge year for a guy like Peyton Stovall? I think you might look back and be like, I should have stuck Stovall on there, but I think mm. given the talent across college baseball, because like you said, you can only rank 10 of them. Um, I think just looking across the town of college baseball, he just, there's always going to be an odd man out and and he might, he might be that guy. Yeah. And at number seven, this is a team that I think you and I are really, really high on. And you look at their roster and you look at LSU's roster and while LSU, of course, are the number one team, we'll talk about them in a second. And they they're so loaded. It's actually hilarious how funny they're hilarious. How funny. That's a good word to describe it, because it is comical how good their lineup rotation is. But Florida, they're Dylan Cruz's Wyatt Langford, who might go number one. They have Hurston Waldrop that transfer from Southern Miss. So I highly recommend going checking out not gambling advice, my betting podcast. Florida is one of the teams that I picked and you really like to potentially win the College World Series, but they come in at number seven. What is keeping Florida from maybe being the first, second, or third best team? Because that's where I think I see them, and I think you're up there too with them. Florida is awesome. This is, uh, it's, they're, they're going to be really, really good. This is one of the best, maybe the best team that O'Sullivan's had in his time there. And they're just loaded on both sides of the baseball. Um, they haven't been to Omaha since 2018, but I think that they're in a really good spot to make it back. Obviously, Langford, Langford's the highlight there. He's he's got one one type upside. Uh, he's going to be playing center field, which is just silly. And then obviously the rotation with Sprout and Waldrop at the top. Waldrop's Sprout's just, so good. He's again Sprout's going to get overshadowed maybe a little bit with the staff they've got, but. He's another kind of top three round arm talent who's just really, really, really good. And Waldrop, he, he might not be the first pitcher taken off the board in the draft, but maybe third. For my money's worth, <laughs> he might have he might have the best pure stuff in the country. Uh, if you just watch some of the film of him pitching, he's curve got ball plus breaking is, balls. Curveball is nasty, dude. It's hellish. It's just so it it's just so sharp. He gets so many ugly swings with it. Um, he's super athletic on the mound. This summer, he quieted down his delivery a little bit, which will be great. Um, and then two sophomores that I think are going to be really good for them this year who were limited last year because of injuries are Jack Caglino and Pierce Coppola. Coppola, 6'8 lefty, who will be in their weekend rotation. I don't know if he's going to be ready on Sunday, um, but within a few weeks, he'll be their Sunday guy or however they want to shuffle him. 
Um, and then Caglianone will play first and then also close. He was up to 99 on the mound and <laughs> he's got just silly raw power. The exit velos he was posting this fall were just absurd. I think I saw one that was like 113 or 114 and I might be selling them short. Um, <laughs> but they're just going to be really good to watch. And then the infield, Colby Halter is a guy that I think is going to be the X factor for them. They've got a lot of star power, but Halter was one of the better guys I saw this summer on the Cape. Um, he, I think was tied for the league league in home runs with seven or eight, um, really saw it on the dirt. Josh Rivera, getting him back is a win. And then BT Ryapel behind the plate. They're, they're just stacked in all facets. So, um, the, the sec is going to be loaded this year. They're loaded every year, but the, the, the talent that some of these teams have is just stupid. BT's a transfer, right? I think that was a yeah. huge get for him. Yeah, so he was um he was from Coastal and he transferred in last year. So last year was his first year at UF. Um and he was really good and then uh he's got one more year left. He's a he absolutely had offers to go pro but opted to return to UF. So they 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 kind of had a few wins in the draft too with guys coming back. So we're going to talk about Waldrop and Langford when we get back into our top 10 overall players, but let's talk about maybe our favorite team in all of college baseball this year. My pick to win the College World Series. I know you love them to win the College World Series. And if you listen to that podcast, I got them at 1900 plus 1900. Now they're plus 1400. So we're seeing some line movement there. Interesting. And and we're also seeing some preseason polls come out now where Wake Forest is getting even higher. And now they're at number six. I think that obviously we're going to talk about Rhett Lauder a little bit later when we talk about our top 10 players. So we don't have to get into him a lot. But a guy who I almost put as my most underrated player or biggest sleeper, I guess, is Teddy McGraw. And it's not because he's a sleeper because he might go in the first round. It's just it's hard to find a better Saturday starter in all of college baseball than that guy. He... He do, he's not Jack Leiter. I mean, that's stupid, but he's the undersized righty who's up to 95, who has a couple of good secondaries. He has good command, and he's just a really good pitcher. Nick Kurtz, I mean, is he the best hitter in the ACC? You look at his swing, and he was a freshman last year, I think with an 1,100 OPS or something nuts. This Wake Forest team, the ACC, you know, the SEC is the, is the conference that gets a lot of the love, right? In football, basketball, I think Alabama's the number one team in college basketball right now. Like they are just a conference that flowers these amazing teams. But the ACC might be the best conference in college baseball this year and Wake Forest should win it. We're so excited for Wake Forest, aren't we? I was going to say, we could do a show on Wake Forest only and spend like an hour plus talking about them. I think that's how much you and I love them. But you hit on it. Um, They are... They are maybe like as a completed team, and this is going to be a lofty comparison, but they're maybe as complete a team up and down as LSU is. If you look around the diamond and up and down the rotation, I would love to see someone try and find a hole or kind of any area of weakness for them. Because if you look at their rotation, like you said, they've got a definite first rounder and maybe a top 10 pick in Red I think so. I think he's going to be the second pitcher off the board. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, McGraw, like you said, who my, for my money's worth is also the best Saturday starter and a top probably 50 pick. And then sophomore Josh Hartle, who could very well be a first round pick in 2024. Um, his stuff took a step up this fall. 
Um, they've got their pitching lab, which is just a really cool operation as a whole. That's a whole other wormhole to go down, but um, his stuff, his stuff took a step step forward this fall. And then their lineup, like you said, Kurtz is, I think he's one of the best pure hitters in all of college baseball. Um, if you just kind of, you look at the swing decisions, the approach he's got, he just sprays balls all over the yard with authority. Yep. And he's a good mover at first base. He's athletic enough where if they would need an outfielder in a pinch, um, he, he could hold his own in right or left. Um, he's that good. I had the pleasure of coaching him or, you know, evaluating him at the area code tryouts a couple of years ago. And he was always really athletic, a good player, but he took his game to the next level. And then on the other corner, you've got Brock Wilkin, who breaks 70 grade power, absolute <laughs> yeah. bazooka arm. Um, like he'll be one of the first college hitters taken off the board. And then they've got a few guys who are like just dynamos. One of them is Tommy hockey in uh center field. He's a little five, six, five, seven, absolute fireball. Um, but he just plays with his hair on fire. He's got, he's a perfect leadoff hitter for them. Great bat to ball skills, really good defender, um, kind of game changing speed. And he's going to be great to kind of have at the top of the lineup with Kurtz, Wilkin, Bennett Lee's a great transfer. Brendan, um, uh, yeah, uh, they, they're just so deep up and down. Yeah. Um, and you can just keep all- listing names because they're just say, like, could- their whole roster is incredible. Like, it's like when we get to the LSU portion of this podcast, it's like you can just list all the names and be like, this guy will be a first rounder in 2024. This guy will be a first rounder in 2023. And if they're not first, they'll be second. They're just such a loaded team. That's why I'm so excited for this. And you mentioned uh, the leadoff hitter. I kind of compare him. He doesn't obviously have 80 grade speed like Enrique Bradfield Jr., but he's the definition of the spark plug for them, right? Because you have the great pitchers, you have the Rhett Ladders of the world, you have the Teddy McGraws, you have the Brock Wilkins, you have the you have the Nick Kurtz, but the guy who starts everything is that leadoff hitter, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Hawk Hawk's that guy. And then uh, the uh, the X factor on the mound, kind of like how Hawk will be in the lineup, is Sean Sullivan. He's a guy that I'm personally really excited about. Um, he's got an uncomfortable delivery, a really low slot, similar to, again, a lofty comparison, but kind of like a, a Carson Palmquist or even like a Chris Sale in terms of the low slot and the herky-jerkiness to it. But he's got two sweeping breaking balls that he'll land for strikes. The fastball plays up and just kind of explodes out of his hand, even at 90 to 92. And he'll be used in a ton of ways, whether it's a long reliever role, a late inning guy like coming in the sixth or seventh and and give you a couple scoreless frames um, or even in the rotation when a guy needs a, a a start off in the weekend or if they just want to shuffle things. So Sullivan's a guy you'll see with saves to his name, with wins as a starter. Um, he'll do it all for them on the mound. So again, I think they're a super complete team and they're they're one of my they're one of the teams on my short list to win the national championship. Number five, Texas A&M. And- this is where I need your expert opinion because when I look at all these rosters and I look at the teams that I really like, and I'm also looking at value, of course, for betting perspective, um, Texas A&M feels like the most overrated team in this top 10. Um, and it's not that I say Texas A&M shouldn't be in the top 25 or should it be in the top 15? Like they should, they earned it. They have a great lineup. They have a good starting staff. 
Um, they have a good bullpen. They have a good team and deserve to be amongst one of the best teams in college baseball. But there's something that I'm missing. Maybe it's the firepower. Maybe what am I missing here? Am I off calling them one of the more overrated teams in this top 10? Yeah, I think that they're they're just a really good team year in and year out. Um, Jim Schlossnagel is a great coach, and he's going to have them playing competitive baseball for a full 56-game slate. Um, it might not necessarily be, yeah, I, I mean, I think they're that good. Yeah. Okay. Um, At least in some eyes, I don't, I think at baseball America, we've got them slightly lower than five, but, um, they're going to be a really good team and they're going to remain competitive in an sec. That's the best the sec has looked in maybe some time top to bottom. Um, but they've got two headliners in terms of star power, um, both on the mound and then in their lineup. Their leading hitter is Jack Moss. He's a first baseman, just stud. A really, a really advanced hit. Hit three eighty last year. I, I, he just rakes. Um, he's consistently finds the barrel, um, puts the ball over the yard. He's got some thump in there. And then Detmer just Detmer was great last year, but his stuff took a huge, huge jump this fall, which is crazy to say. His stuff took a huge jump, but he was up to ninety nine with his fastball. Sliders his best pitch. It's it's he'll throw it to righties and lefties manipulate the shape get a lot of swing and miss um and they brought in also a lot of pitchers from the transfer portal uh josh stewart from texas was really good this past summer troy wansing actually from purdue uh is a key transfer to keep to keep your eye on left-handed pitcher he'll be in their weekend rotation um who was great and then they've got a freshman dude who will explode this year um i'm i'm betting on him uh jace laviolette he's an outfielder huge raw power he hit three home runs in a scrimmage this uh this past fall he'll be in their lineup from day one so i i think that they're they're right in that top 10 mix and and they're going to be a really good team that's why you're the expert and i'm the fan because you did convince me that they're not overrated they might just be eight and not five not 15 where I might place them and I we decided to use D1 baseball's rankings because of course uh Pete Flaherty he's over there at Baseball America so we try to do just kind of an unbiased ranking D1 baseball they do an amazing job over there tons of rankings tons of great content but Pete's at Baseball America I'm just baseball Pete's our secret weapon over here at just baseball so we wanted to use D1 baseball now moving into the top four and I'm patting myself on the back of this one because I remember we talked about this and I went down and saw Ole Miss against Hawaii and I came away from that series, even though, of course, Hawaii isn't that great of a program, but they just had so much thump and every single pitcher that not only was in their rotation, but out of their pen, it was just like there was no breaks, right? They have Jacob Gonzalez. Still, they had Tim Elko last year. Just the whole lineup was so good. And I came away with that saying, Pete, I think this team is going to win the College World Series. And it's not like you said no. You were just like, "Eh, let's maybe pump the brakes a little bit. And then they went on the incredible run and ended up winning the entire thing. They're at number four this year. And we both know it's frankly impossible to repeat we almost never see repeat teams we've seen it a few times in college baseball history but it's just so hard to do it they deserve to be number four they're an incredible ball club but i think neither of us are picking them just because history kind of repeats itself right they could make a deep run they have a great team but it's just so hard for them to repeat but i love them at number four 
I was going to say, you can't, it's hard to, to drop the defending national champs too far. Um, and I think they're right where they're supposed to be. Uh, last year, they had that incredible, incredible run and one of the great, <clears throat> great stories, you know, last in, last out. Coach Bianco is an outstanding coach. Um, and like you said, Jacob Gonzalez is, is, he could be the first college hitter taken. Uh, he's again on that short list to go one, one uh, might be on the outside looking in right now, but um, he's, he, those bloodlines, Luis yeah, Gonzalez, could, man. I was going to say the bloodlines left-handed hitting shortstop with impact Yep, could be tough to pass up on, but outside of him, Calvin Harris is really good behind the plate for them. Um, was Hayden Dunhurst backup last year. So now he'll be their catcher full time. He's a really good hitter. Um, he's from Iowa, just kind of a classic Midwestern, like corn lifting, strong guy, uh, Kemp, Kemp Alderman in the outfield and DH role just has as much pop and as bad as anybody. Um, what he might lack in a pure hit tool, he makes up for literally just any time he makes contact, it's going to just fly. Um, TJ McCants is a great center fielder. Peyton Chatagnier is a key vet and, Kind of like what's becoming the norm in college baseball. They loaded up in the transfer portal. Uh, they went and got Xavier Rivas from Indianapolis University, a small D2 school. But don't let the lack of kind of school name fool you. He is going to be a really, really good pitcher for them um, and factor in right away into their into their weekend rotation, um, which will be headlined by Hunter Elliott, who, like Hagan Smith, left-handed pitcher, uh, really good freshman year for in the SEC he was a freshman All American. Um, he kind of profiles as that day one type draft pick in twenty four, and then in the outfield, Ethan Groff from Tulane is a is a uh, is a key transfer they got. He he had a really good season for Tulane. He'll start for them. So um, again, sort of like everyone was writing off Ole Miss last year, and they learned that you can't ever really write off the Rebs. Um, for the people that are kind of skeptical of them at four or top five, top 10 ranking, um, they'll, they'll likely prove them wrong again. So yeah. I'm definitely not going to definitely not going to go against like coach Bianco and, and what he can do with this talent. So I like them there and they're going to come out with a huge chip on their shoulder. They're not gonna, they're not going to kind of spend time lulling and, and lingering on that national championship from last year. Yeah. If there's any team that can repeat, I think it's Ole Miss. Uh, number three, Stanford. We love Stanford. We love Stanford. I was going to say, but it's been Stanford. But the thing is with Stanford, like, they just, like, they get there and then they don't close it out. And that's always been Stanford's problem. But you look at their team and it's, why can't they win? I think for my money, he's not the best player in the country. I don't even think he's the best two-way player in the country. But Braden Montgomery is I think the most exciting player in the country because he can throw a hundred off the mound. He has huge power and huge speed. I think he might be the toolsiest player in college baseball. I mean, there's of course other names that you have to throw in there, but just a guy that maybe people aren't thinking about for all the tools. I think brain Montgomery should be in the conversation. I also think that Stanford has the best infield in baseball for my money, Tommy Troy, Drew Bowser. You could continue to name names this Stanford team has as good of a roster as long as, as well as a great head coach too. This team is primed to make a run at Omaha. It's just, can they get over the hump, which they failed to do so in previous years? 
Yeah, and that's they haven't won a national title since 1988, but it seems like every year, especially the last two years, they've made it two years straight. They've been in Omaha. They're absolutely in a spot to make it for the third time in as many years. Um, but kind of looking up and down the roster, you mentioned the talent, but they returned two thirds of that lineup from 2022, and they, they lose the Brock Jones. Ugh. They, tough loss, but they yeah. they led the pack in RBIs. They led the pack in home runs. They had the second highest team batting average with a 309 average. And the best power in Carter Graham is back. Second leading hitter Tommy Troy in first round draft pick is back. Um, you mentioned Braden Montgomery. I think his future is likely as a hitter, but on the mound, the stuff he has now is more than enough to be effective at the college level. He's up, he's 98 with carry. And then from yeah. right field, he's got a 70 arm. So, um, and then the <laughs> rotation is also great um, with Quinn Matthews up at the top. Uh, he's a pitch ability guy, but he throws, he's got great stuff. His changeup's his best pitch. Uh, Drew Dowd's another lefty who will be up there at the top of the rotation. Who's again, kind of a, just a strike thrower, tax hitters. Um, they might have the best reliever in the country outside of Andrew Walters, maybe even up there with Andrew Walters, um, with Ryan Bruno again, up to hundred, his changeup had a ridiculous whiff rate of, I think like 56% last year. Jeez. Uh, yeah. And his, he, he's got just stupid loud stuff. And also in their lineup, they've got a, they've got a catcher, Malcolm Moore and, He's a, definitely a candidate for Pac-12 freshman of the year. It would not shock me if he wins national freshman of the year. Wow. Um, he's maybe the best pure hitter to make it to campus of the 2022 draft class. And all he did this fall was hit. Um, and he picked up kind of, you know, he didn't miss a beat. And he also hit um, what went unnoticed. He went out to the West Coast League because you can play there as a rising freshman. Um, he played for the Bellingham Bells and he hit, forget his exact batting average but he hit over high. it was high <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then eddie park brock jones is obviously tough to replace his impact in the lineup um but eddie park is a really good hitter gives you consistent at bats plays great defense he'll play center field for them so they're in great hands between the returning talent a few freshmen they've got they're they're right there and this is probably the best spot they've been in to kind of break that national championship drought number two the University of Tennessee, 57 and nine record last year. They were easily the best team in college baseball during the regular season. But come Omaha, didn't happen. Chase Dolander, do I need to say more? I mean, we're going to get to our top 10 players. So we, I don't even really want to talk about him, but he's the best pitcher in the country. Has I don't want to talk about him because we're going to talk about him in a second. But down the line, probably the best pitching in the country and they have a great lineup. Of course they deserve to be number two, but I remember when we were talking about teams that can win the college world series. And remember that if you listen to that other episode or not gambling advice, it's a betting preview. It is teams that we're trying to find the best value. And when we were in our group chats and we're just cooking up all this kind of stuff, Tennessee was a team that we didn't really talk about. And I understand why, but tell me, tell me and tell the listeners why Tennessee maybe didn't make your teams of they have the best value because you look at the roster, man. And I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I was going to say up and down. Um, obviously last year they have that historic 57 win season. Um, they lose in game three in the super regional, which again, for really 
any team making it to a super regional 27 outs from Omaha is largely in, in looking at the big picture considered a successful season. Um, but I know that they, it left a really, really sour taste um, in Tennessee's mouth and they're going to come out firing on all cylinders without, you know, sleepwalking through any series during the year. Kind of, you saw them maybe do that against like Kentucky last year, but they're just going to be firing on all cylinders all year. They've got perhaps the best starting rotation with, Dolander, who's probably the best pure pitcher in college baseball, Chase Burns as a freshman, really impressed. Um, who's a top five overall candidate next year. Um, and then also sophomore Drew Beam, who was really impressive last year. Um, and then they lost some to the draft. They lose guys like Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert, Jarrell Ortega. Um, but again, common theme, they hit the portal. They bring in Mal Yahuna from Kansas, who he can really hit, but he's he can really, really pick it on the dirt. He's got a plus arm, moves really well, projectable body. Um, I know he's a guy that they're really excited about. Christian Moore will play second base. He had a big role as a freshman. I think he hit 310 with or 305 with 10 home runs. Christian Moore, he made that second base list for me. This dude is so good. He's a freak. He's just so good at everything, and he's got crazy speed. It didn't show up. I guess in the stolen base department because he was always on second or he was rounding the bases for a home run. Like he is a freak of nature and he's one of the best second basemen in, the, in base in college baseball. I agree. And he's a psycho competitor too, in the best way. He's, he's always talking in the dugout, encouraging his teammates, always up at the top step. Blake Burke is a guy again, might have the most raw power in college baseball, 25 home run upside. Um, and then Jared Dickey, uh, he kind of dealt with the injury bug a little bit last year, but he'll catch and play the outfield for them. And he hit 380 last year with a handful, a chock full of extra base hits. So again, kind of naming, going up and down this Tennessee roster, you're kind of looking for holes um, and they're tough to find them. So they're going to be right in not only the SEC championship mix again, um, they'll be in the national championship mix. And I would not be shocked if they get to Omaha. I'd actually be a little surprised if they didn't. Number one, LSU. Man, dude, I mean, (laughs) this team is crazy. Is this the best roster that you've ever seen in college baseball with the transfer of Tommy Tanks, 27 bombs in his freshman year from NC State? Get Paul Skeens from Air Force, who is the best two-way player in the country for my money. This team is crazy. And they made our list in terms of teams that we think we could, they can make the, you know, college world series and win it. But just from a value perspective, it's like, I mean, it's terrible value because they are by all accounts, the number one team in college baseball. And it's not really that close. I mean, it's kind of close because you see Florida, you see Tennessee, a lot of these teams have, you know, close to amount of talent, but it's just, you go down the roster. And I think to myself, man, they might have a top 10 player at every position and they are about as loaded as any team I've ever seen in college baseball. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm super young, um, I guess in the grand scheme of things. So in my time following college baseball, this is certainly the most stacked team I've seen on paper. I think if you go kind of back in history a little bit, that USC team with Randy Johnson and Mark McGuire um, on the same roster is tough to beat, but it's certainly in my time following baseball and certainly in in recent memory this is the most stacked team on paper i could again we could just talk about their whole team but headliners obviously dylan cruz the odds on favorite right now to probably go one one i know wyatt langford is right there with them almost neck and neck 
Trey Morgan is just a super freaky athletic first baseman can really hit great hand eye coordination. Such a good Uh, fielder. That's what goes so underrated about him. Unbelievable glove. You and I love following you on Twitter and you definitely everyone listening should go check out Pete on Twitter. Peter G. Flaherty. He put out this thread about um, Trey Morgan and I was looking at lists on the first baseman and I thought to myself, why is he so low on these things? Like, what does he do wrong? He's quick. He has a great glove. He's got power. He's got bat to ball. He's got the whole package as a first baseman and he's got the flair. Like, he's fun to watch, too. Like, what am I missing there? I think it just hurts him that he's a first baseman. Um, you see kind of looking at the draft value nowadays, um, and it's just kind of you see first baseman, and you're just kind of like, oh, man. But he's got the speed and athleticism to, in my mind, play an outfield spot, and I would not be shocked. Um, this is a whole other conversation, but I wouldn't be shocked if whoever selects him in the draft, if they end up using him in the outfield or at least trying him out there because he is that good. Um, but again, like you mentioned, Tommy White, I don't, there, not much to say. He hits Tommy White. He had 27, 27 jacks last year. Uh, one of the best pure hitters in college baseball. It's 70 raw power, but he's not just a power guy. Uh, he can actually hit, he's got a great approach. Um, he's almost impossible to pitch to. And then they're not just an offensive heavy team. They're also pitching heavy. They've got Paul Skeens, who's the best two-way player in the country for my money's worth. Uh, Thatcher Hurd, Disgusting. Ty Floyd. Um, they're, it's, it's almost just unfair. And then, of course, the cherry on top. They had a ton of wins in the draft last year with guys like Paxton Kling and Chase Shores making it to campus. And, of course, their entire freshman class has just been outstanding this fall couple of guys to keep your eye on is Chase Shores, who's reportedly been up to 101 with his fastball, um, who projects to be part of the rotation. Um, Brady Neal's a great catcher, both with the bat and with the glove. And Paxton Kling is going to take over for Dylan Cruz probably after his departure, um, just given his athleticism and speed in center field. He'll probably play an outfield spot this year and factor in day one. So they're going to be a really, really, really tough team kind of looking at that Omaha regional super regional format. They're going to be a really tough team to beat two out of three times. Um, anything that happened in baseball, we saw it last year with Notre Dame taking down Tennessee, but they, that's, I, I'm <laughs> really, really interested to see how they do because I, I don't remember the last time there was this much hype surrounding a, a, a team heading into the season. And not to mention, you mentioned all the players, but how about the fact that they grabbed the Minnesota Twins pitching coach? And we're just like, hey, do you want to coach in college baseball instead of the bigs? Like, that's how good this team is. Like, I want us to cover it. He left the Minnesota Twins to be the pitching coach for LSU. I assume the paycheck was pretty even. But still, I mean, that's how good this LSU team is. Let's go into our top 10 players and we'll go through it a little bit quicker because we kind of touched on these guys. Now, if you've been listening to the top 10 teams, you kind of understand. Um, and a lot of these guys are on those teams. So at number 10, Hurston Waldrop, like you said, Southern Miss transfer up to he's a, he lives in the upper 90s. And he just has this curveball that looks like he grabbed it from the depths of hell. Like it is just so disgusting. Hurston Waldrop, I he's I think the third best pitcher in the country. Do you agree with him at number 10? Yeah, I, I think that's a good spot for him. Like you said, we, and we talked about him a bit talking about Florida, but the stuff is electric. The delivery, I think pre-USA, even now, especially in the lower half, is really similar to Jack Leiter. Um, 
from Vanderbilt. The stuff is like you said, he'll pitch in the in the upper nineties. He'll pitch like ninety six to ninety nine, um, and he will he will bump you know a hundred, hundred and one, even a hundred and two each start, maybe not 102 each start, but he will touch triple digits and it's two plus breaking balls that get swing and miss. Um, he's a real competitor on the mound. He's going to, he's going to be a top, probably 30 draft pick, top 20 draft pick. So top 10 player in college baseball. Absolutely. Number nine, Rhett Louder, best changeup in college baseball. I think it's so nasty. Yeah. It's oh, so it's nasty. Disgusting. He's great. Yeah. He's great. Number nine, Rhett Louder. What do you think about him? It's pretty quick. Really, really good pitcher, right? <laughs> yeah, great pitcher. Again, one of the best in college baseball. Change up the calling card. He'll throw it to righties and lefties, which is unique. Um, and it just falls off at the end. Uh, great fastball. He's going to headline the rotation for Wake, which could be a national championship team. Um, but yeah, louder at nine. That's a good spot for him. Number eight, Jacob Wilson, son of Jack Wilson. Talk about plate discipline. Dude struck out seven times last year. Seven. It's walked absurd. 25 times. He's absurd. He's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the in next year's draft, right? Yeah, absolutely. He'll be a top 10 pick this year. Um, again, kind of if you're looking for a dark horse um at one one, it's kind of crazy to call him a dark horse because he's a six three shortstop. Um kind of reminds me of Jackson Holiday in that. Remember, we, you know, of course, you know, I gotta give a lot of credit to our guy Pete Flaherty. Maybe the best bet that we had last year was Jackson Holiday going number one at plus 1100 this could be next year's jackson holiday you got the bloodlines you have the elite plate discipline you have projectability but he plays a grand canyon university so it's you don't see him that much jackson holiday a little bit different he was a high school guy but grand canyon university they're not gonna be you know it's hard to find college baseball games anyway on tv but rarely are you gonna be able to see him but he's going to be a guy that you only really hear about unless you're deep in the weeds. And if you're listening to this, you probably are, but there's so much nice things to say about a guy like Jacob Wilson. Yeah. Again, like you said, plate discipline is the calling card through, I think 428 uh, college at bats. I think he's only struck out um, like 6% of the time, which is just absurd. That's actually, I, I, I did a little stat digging last night or a couple nights ago. And um Nick Madrigal threw 432 at bats, so comparable sample size. His K rate was 6.9%. Again, Pac-12 pitching is is objectively probably the best pitching in the country, um, just consistently. But again, it just kind of shows you the bat-to-ball skills and advanced approach that Wilson has, and he'll also impact the ball. I mean, he'll be a probably 12 to 15 home run guy, high average. He's got an above average arm at shortstop. You touch on the bloodlines a little bit. Um, he's a guy who fits great at number eight on the top 10 player list. And then also that's probably, that could be where he goes in the draft, top eight, top five overall. So he's going to be a fun guy to watch. He had a great summer at USA and I'm excited to see him play. Another guy with bloodlines at number seven, Jacob Gonzalez of Ole Miss. Uh, one of the best hit tools in the country. No doubt about it. I remember when I saw him, uh, when I went down to that Ole Miss um, series, just looks like a big leaguer. Like he's just—I remember when I saw him. He had the uh, he had the bleached hair in the back, and he was just fielding ground balls and warmups. And I'm just like, he could go over Ted with Ted strikeouts here. Like I wouldn't care. Like he just looks like a big leaguer. But I think his best tool is that hit tool because he has good power, like no doubt about it. But it's just he could be a guy who falls asleep hitting 300. 
Like, it's just he's going to hit and he's not going to strike out. He's going to take his walks. Kind of similar to Jacob Wilson in that way. Not as good of plate discipline because Jacob Wilson is the best plate discipline in the country. But Gonzalez is just a pure hitter. Yeah, like you said, it's a left-handed hitting shortstop who will stick there with an advanced hit tool and above average power. There you and go. you combine that with the bloodlines. Um, I think that's a really tough package to pass up on in the draft. And then also in kind of in your rankings, ranking the top 10 college baseball players. So I think he's right where he belongs. He's going to have a great season for Ole Miss. He's going to lead that team both on and off the field. And and again, he's just like everyone on this list and guys beyond this list. I'm really, really excited to watch them play. So there's a freshman here. Oh, he's a freshman last year. He's going to be a sophomore this year that I'm ranking at number six. His name is Vance Honeycutt at um, North Carolina. And six probably seems a bit high, but I'm almost afraid I ranked him too low. I mean, he's a 25 home run, 29 steal guy last year. And you watch him play. There's nothing he does poorly. There's nothing he even does average. He is an incredible baseball player. I think he's going to go number one overall in 2024. So you took the words out of my mouth. What I was going to say is, for what it's worth, he's my, right now, he's my guy to go 1-1 in 2024. It's an athletic center fielder. Wiry frame. He's got big time juice. Again, you mentioned the 25 home runs and 20, 29 stolen bases. Um, this year, it's going to be on the probably the highest end of production. We could see him kind of spit out, but a 30 30 season, I don't think is out of the, out of the picture for him. He's that no. good. And the one kind of, I guess, weak point in his game last year was he swung and missed a lot. He struck out, I think 95 times, but again, he's still at 296. The production was there, but this fall, he cut down on the swing and miss. He's got more of an approach. He's not just kind of going up there and and free swinging as he would at times last year. So what the the numbers he could spit out this year are golden spikes type numbers. Yeah. Um, he's that good. You typically see the award go to an upperclassman, but with what Honeycutt's got in the tank, I I would not be shocked to see him win the win the golden spikes. Number five, best two-way player in the country, Paul Skeens, transfer from Air Force. This guy can touch 99 and had 13 bombs with a 1046 OPS last year. That's what we're dealing with here. That's another guy at LSU. And he's not even the best player on LSU. This guy is a 2022 John Olerud award winner, correct? I believe so. I'd have to Google it, but I'll take your word for it. But like you said, he'll do it with the bat and on the mound. On the mound, actually, is where he took a huge step forward this fall. Um, He was up to 101 which not a big deal. Kind of like Brendan uh, McKay, also, right? That's where like Wes Johnson is going to really pay dividends for LSU, both this year and going forward, um, which is why I think they're set up for a period of, of sustained success for a, a, quite some time. But his slider took a took a massive jump. It's now a legit plus pitch. His changeup was probably his best secondary coming into this year, but the slider was really good this fall. It's got big time horizontal movement. It's kind of got sweeper traits at times. Um, and he's really solidifying himself as a starting pitcher at the next level, which is huge. And I think five, again, having Paul Skeens at five is a testament of, I guess, how deep college baseball is this year, because there's just so much talent up and down the list. Um, but yeah, I, I'm Skeens again, golden spikes type guy, um, one, one candidate, uh, he checks a lot of boxes, so he's he's right there at number five. 
and maybe Paul Skeen should be number four. But a number four, I put Enrique Bradfield Jr. And I remember I was sitting <laughs> in the stands with Aram, with Colby, with our guy Chris, and I'm watching Enrique Bradfield Jr. And I'm like, this guy might go 1-1 when he comes out. I, I think he's the fastest player in any level. Baseball, Major League Baseball, college baseball. Like when we say 80-grade speed, I think he's the fastest man who plays baseball currently in the United States of America. And the reason I said that, too, is because you see the bat to ball. You see elite defensive play in center field. And I'm just like, I see a young Kenny Lofton. And that is a that's a comp that's almost tired at this point because now it's being used. But I swear to you, that's what I saw when I first saw him last year. And maybe I'm a little bit higher on him. Maybe Paul Skeen should be ahead of him. But I just, I think he's a freak of nature. I think he is the most exciting player to watch when there's maybe outside of Braden Montgomery. But they're all in the same category because they're all awesome. But Enrique Bradfield Jr., man, do you think he's the fastest player who's currently playing baseball? Or am I, am I going overboard here? There's definitely an argument to be made. And what's crazy is his speed almost plays up, which is impossible to like fathom just given how quick he is just right out of the gate. But He's an excellent base dealer. So he uses that speed and he's so smart on the base pass. I remember he was taking like short leads then big leads. He's just like, he is such a nuisance, such a nuisance. Again, that's perfectly said. I, I We touched on it in talking about Vanderbilt earlier in the show, but he's got unbelievable baseball IQ and feel for the game. He's such a heady and smart player. Like he knows any pitcher that's on the mound, whether it's the starting pitcher or bullpen arm, he knows them, you know, frontwards and backwards. Um, I spent a lot of time around him this summer. I was fortunate to, and he picks his spots to steal. He doesn't, he doesn't just get on and says, okay, I'm Enrique Bradfield. I can steal. He's, he knows when, when not to steal. He knows kind of, you know, he gets a feel for his lead. He'll take different kind of leads. He'll take a jump lead. He'll take a walking lead. He'll take kind of a shorter lead. Um, He's just a problem causer. And like you said, he's a nuisance and just a thorn in everyone's side. Um, and then the defense is the defense. If college baseball had a platinum glove, he'd probably win it. Um, again, it kind of just goes back to his baseball IQ. He's got an incredible first step, really efficient routes to the baseball. Um, he might not have like the bazooka arm that a typical center fielder or corner guy like Braden Montgomery has still a good but arm. it's it's a yeah, again it's it's more than serviceable and he will absolutely stick there and and hit and run his way to the big leagues number three tommy tanks is not number three but tommy tanks hit 27 home runs last year and it felt like he was hitting a home run every single day but wyatt langford who is number three at florida hit 26 home runs like that's how good wyatt langford is and when I watch Wyatt Langford play at Florida, I don't think power first, which is a testament to Wyatt Langford. You might think power first because, of course, he had 26 home runs and every single ball that comes off his bat seems like it's going 110 miles an hour. But it's just like he's so well-rounded as an outfielder. And, yeah, he might move to a corner when he reaches the majors, but it's just maybe to keep him healthy because I think he could play center. Like he is just such a well-rounded baseball player, and he's not the flashiest like, he's not Dylan Cruz with the ferocious swing, but for my money, maybe the best all-around player in college baseball right now. Yeah, there's certainly an argument to be made. I mean, last year, 356, 26 bombs, great swing decisions and contact rates. 
Um, I think a key for him will be in terms of going one, one, I think he's a surefire top five to seven overall selection, no matter what, barring anything disastrous, but Last year he played left field for him every day. This year he'll play center field. If he can show he played set, he can play center field at kind of a professional level, which by all indications he did this fall. And he puts up kind of similar numbers to last year. It's such a big ask hitting 26 home runs again with against the SEC. But again, 20 plus home runs, kind of 15 plus doubles, he kind of demonstrates that elite contact rate and swing decisions again. Good runner in center field, shows he can stick out there. I think that's a really appealing package um, and a package that could have him go first overall. So I'm right there with you. Um, I think he's probably going to win the golden spikes um, to kind of give away that, but uh, he's, he's a really, really good baseball player. And I, I think he fits great at number three. And number two and number one, we can kind of talk about them in the same breath because do you like pitchers or do you like headers? Cause Chase Dolan is at number two. Dylan Cruz is at number one. Chase Dolander at Tennessee, Dylan Cruz at LSU. And Dolander has been compared to guys like Steven Strasburg in the sense of coming out of the draft, he might be the best pitcher since. Like that kind of level. He lives in the mid to upper 90s, incredible breaking ball, but also something that a lot of college pitchers don't have is the elite command, which he has. And then at Dylan Cruz, kind of like college baseball's Bryce Harper in the way, just because of the swing and how ferocious it is and how he's going to stick in center because he's, I think, an elite center fielder out there. Like, take your pick. Do you like pitchers? Do you like hitters? Who would you rank at number one between Dolan and Dylan Cruz? Because I couldn't decide. It's just Dylan Cruz, I would take the true center fielder who rakes at number one instead of the right-handed pitcher, but that's just my choice. You might take Dolan or over Cruz. I wouldn't fault you for it. Again, I, it really just, I don't think you're wrong in taking either of them. And no matter who you talk to, uh, if someone says they'd have Dolan or if someone says they'd have Cruz, someone says they even have Langford or Skeens. I don't think they'd be wrong in saying that, but again, Dolan, like you said, probably the most major league ready pitcher, um, in the country right now, fastball metrics are just stupid. He's up to like a hundred. He'll again, similar to Waldrop, he'll pitch 95, 98 plus slider plus changeup starter profile he's a guy that profiles to kind of fly through a system and be an impact arm in a major league rotation maybe within three or so years similar to three Cruz. months maybe again <laughs> yeah it, it, it all depends if he goes to a playoff team i don't think that anyone would kind of use him out of a bullpen but he's ready i have no doubt he could get major league hitters out right now and kind of navigate his way through a, a major league lineup but uh dylan cruz is kind of the comp on the position player side in terms of mlb readiness Super advanced hit tool, light tower power, can run. Got a good arm in center field. He's a good defender. He's kind of the most complete player, I think, in the country with a track record. Um, He's a guy in 2020 during the COVID draft. He had a ton of buzz, chose to go to LSU. Has absolutely made the most of it and has turned himself into the 1-1 pick and might be his his pick to lose at this point. But, um, yeah, Dylan Cruz, probably the most impressive position player, Dylan, our most impressive pitcher. And it is going to be a really fun year in the SEC and in college baseball. Give me a comp for both of them before we move on. And this is an impossible thing, but it always titillates me when I hear a comp. Of course, we're not going to hold you to it because this is kind of an impossible question because, you know, you don't see these guys come along that much. But just to excite people, remember, don't don't hold this against my guy, Pete. But just when you watch Chase Dolander, 
who does he remind you of? And then when you watch Dylan Cruz, who does he remind you of? Oof, with Dolander, I we'll go really lofty here and say Jacob deGrom. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's I, I awesome. Think, I think the stuff is that good uh, where he's got kind of like deGrom type upside and dominance in there. Now the key will be staying healthy. Um, obviously, there are a lot of variables in baseball. Um, but I, I think that the, the upside is there for him to be kind of a Cy Young winner and all-star pitcher down the road. It's amazing. What about Cruz? Ooh. It's, it's really hard. This one is, I think, much tougher than Dolander because Cruz, it's like, you don't see this type of player come along that often. Yeah. I think, oh. Gosh, I don't want to kill too much time, but I think if you just just looking at him at a hitter as a hitter, I think it's easier to come up with a comp for him just looking at him as a hitter. Um, in terms of kind of that advanced hit tool and plus power, I'll go with someone in recent memory at the college level, um, Spencer Torkelson. Um, just from a sheer hitter's point standpoint, nothing that has to do with defense, nothing that has to do with anything outside of hitting. Um, but just if you kind of take and isolate two of his tools, the hit tool and the power tool. And that's why he's so good. And that's why he's so good, right? Because imagine Spencer Torkelson playing center and sticking in center, not first base. So he's got elite first baseman hit and power. And then you put him in center field with the gun and the arm. That's how good these players are. Let's get into our sleepers to wrap up. Um, I have a couple sleepers that I want to run by. You will go team, then player. Uh, my sleeper team, and this is teams that are outside the top 25, uh, my sleeper team is Rutgers. Um, looking at Rutgers' roster, like they were one of the best offensive teams in college baseball last year, and they're led by Ryan Lasko, who's going to be a top 50 prospect. And it's funny, I saw this. No returning Power 5 player had more doubles than he did last year with 24. You know, Evan Slight returns. Um, I wrote up my first base and second base rankings. Chris Brito was on there. Tony Santa Maria were both top 10 guys in their position. But I think the only thing that's probably keeping them out, out of the top 25 and maybe the, the reason people are sleeping on him is the rotation. Kind of a question mark. They got Jake Marshall. They got Christian Capola. Or Capola, I need someone um, from Rutgers to tell me how to pronounce. But he's probably going to be the Saturday guy. And they also lost their closer to the... So I understand why they're not top 25, but I think they will be by the end of this year. What do you think about Rutgers? I'm with you on them. And again, if you talk about teams that are going to come out with a chip on their shoulder and be really hungry, it's it's going to be the guys out in New Jersey with Rutgers. Um, they were, I think, wrongfully left out of the tournament last year. They had a great regular season. They were in the Big, Tw- they were in the Big Ten championship game. Um, I was pretty surprised when I didn't see him in the field of 64. Again, they return a lot of firepower on the offense. You look at that three-headed monster with Lasco, Slight, and Brito. Brito is a big-time thumper over there. Huge. Slight, advanced hit tool. Lasco, center fielder, twitchy guy, first, second-round draft pick. Um, And then they've got a true freshman, Max Martin, who's really good. He's great on the dirt. Um, Really good hands at the plate. I'm interested to see how he hits this year. Um, and then a catcher they've got from Canada, Hugh Pinckney is really good too. So they're going to be really good. Like you said, they've got a lot to replace in their rotation. Um, but I, I think they'll be just fine. Drew Conover was a big addition to the bullpen, 98 bowling ball sinkers, sweeper slider, uh, chance to be one of the better back end guys in the country. So 
I'm with you on Rutgers in terms of my sleeper team. I tweeted about them about a week ago, but I'm, I'm going to roll with the Washington Huskies. I think that they're the kind of Omaha dark horse. Um, they bring in coach Jason Kelly, who's familiar with the program. He was great. There had a couple stints at Arizona state and LSU. Um, but they've got, they return almost their entire lineup from last year. Um, they've, They've got, I think they returned 45 of their 48 home runs. Um, AJ Guerrero was a freshman All-American. He hit 300 with, I think, 10 home runs and 14 doubles. Um, Johnny Tincher behind the plate is really good. He's a solid backstop. He hit 314. Um, Will Simpson at first base has big-time raw power, 11 home runs. Michael Snyder, again, he hit 400 in the NECBL. Uh, one of the best transfers actually kind of outside of the sec and in those loud names maybe the most underrated transfer is pitcher Kiefer lord he came from carlton college division three school and he has electric stuff especially as especially as his fastball um athletic kid projectable frame fastball is up to 99 this fall with carry kind of a shorter slider that that looks like a cutter at times but He's he's going to be great, and with kind of pitching guru Jason Kelly at the helm, uh, he's he's in good hands. Case Matter is another guy on the arm who's on the mound who's really good. He's got a great arm. Again, he's he moves athletically. He's got big velo. He averaged ninety three five on his fastball last year. Um, his slider has sixty four percent miss rate last year. Um, again, they're a really kind of complete team. Um, they're going to surprise a lot of people, both in the PAC 12. And I really, really hope selfishly they get into a regional because I think that they're going to be a really, really tough out and a team that could very well make it to Omaha. What a pitch Washington team to watch my sleeper player. Um, the first baseman out of air force, Sam Coliseo. Oh yeah. Six two one ninety. He's not eligible to be drafted until 2024, but. He just raked at Air Force last year. And from both sides of the plate, he's a switch hitter who hit 411 with an 1170 OPS in 2022. Mountain West player of the year. Tons of contact. Doesn't strike out. Doubles machine. Really athletic. And he's a guy who, you know, we talked about Trey Morgan. and Maybe he could move to the outfield. Like, Sam moved to the outfield. Like, he is that kind of athlete. And... I put him at 10 in my first base rankings just because the competition at Air Force in the Mountain West like isn't incredible and it's tough to gauge. But he was a guy who I looked kind of like Peyton Stovall in second base, even though he was just outside of him, where I was like, I want to put him higher, but I don't know if I can fully prove it. But I think he's going to be the one to prove it in 2023. Love the first baseman, Cam- Sam Klesingham out of Air Force. I think kind of like Paul Skeens went from Air Force to LSU. I think he's going to be one of those guys where everyone's like, I need him to transfer. Yeah, I I think obviously at any service academy or in a unique situation when it comes to being a pro prospect. But like you said, 411 with 26 doubles and 12 jacks is really, really tough to ignore. Played a little bit of the outfield this summer in Newport with the NECBL. Um, He can just really, really hit. He's a sound defender. Um, and like you said, playing in the mountain West and a lot of hitter friendly ballparks, the numbers are going to be, I think really, really loud this year. Um, and then in kind of keeping that same theme, um, my sleeper guy is Spencer Nivens at Missouri state. Mm. Uh, 
um, center fielder, our chance to play center field at the next level. The batted ball data is unbelievable. He had 346 last year, 12 doubles, 11 jacks. Swing decisions and approach are really advanced. 443 on base percentage, had a great summer in the lesser known prospect league. It was more just to kind of get him reps and, and, and keep him moving. But he's a guy that I think that model, particularly model-based teams are going to really fall in love with come draft time. And I would not be shocked to see him go on day one of the draft, maybe even in the top 60 to 65 picks. Wow. Great pick. Peter, Pete, Flaherty. Amazing. Thank you for coming on the Just Baseball Show. We're going to be talking to Pete a ton during this season, going over college baseball stuff. College baseball, I kind of got into it a couple of years ago, and ever since it's become kind of my secret love. Love diving into all this stuff. Arm and Jack, they got you for the minor leagues. That's why you go check out the call-up. But in terms of just college baseball, I'm not the best at projecting you know, future talent in terms of draft. That's why we have Pete Flaherty. That's why I have Arm. That's why I have Jack. But just watching college baseball, I know talent when I see it, or at least I think I do. And I try to talk about it on this podcast. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. Opening day is on Friday, Texas versus Vandy. Who's winning? I'll go with Tim Corbin and Vandy. I think they're going to have a really good year. I think Carter Holton's going to set the tone. And I'll even go deeper. I'll say Enrique Bradfield, three for four with a double and three bags. I think it has three triples. I think it was three for four, three triples. No, no, Can you imagine? That'd be no. unreal. <laughs> unreal. That's the kind of player Enrique Brownfield is. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this college baseball preview for 2023. Make sure to go follow Pete Flaherty on Twitter. It's at Peter G Flaherty. You can find that in the episode description. You can also find a lot of his work on Baseball America. We have a ton of podcasts, Who's Better Baseball, the Just Fantasy Baseball Show, the call-up, not gambling advice. We're churning out content over here on JustBaseball.com and on the Just Baseball Show and on Friday. So this, you'll find this, of course, in your podcast feed on Thursday, but you won't find it Friday morning in terms of Friday's episode like you normally do because Jack, Aram, and I are doing a big production for my top 100 players, so mostly come out. Friday later and then you'll have it for the entire weekend and then we get into our top 10 by positions we got world baseball classic content and if you're in need if you are searching for world baseball classic stuff head over to justbaseball.com we have team previews but we're going to be covering that closer to the world baseball classic arm and I will also be there in Miami from the 17th to the 21st covering the world baseball classic tons of content coming over here at just baseball Pete before we go plug anything you need i was gonna say you got it with the socials and then check out baseball america for anything that you know you might be looking for and then obviously unsubscribe resubscribe to all the just baseball shows check them out they do a unbelievable job at everything and it was great to be on the show and chop it up with you and i'm excited to be a, a guest in the future this is one of my favorite episodes of the year. I love doing this with you. We've done it now. This is our second year doing it, and I can't wait to do it next year. But you and I, Wake Forest is winning in Omaha this year. They're our team. Can't wait to watch them. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs>